everyone. Welcome to So Fast, So Furious, the ultimate Fast and Furious podcast. Dominic Toretto lives his life a quarter mile at a time, so we are watching the entire Fast and Furious franchise a quarter hour at a time. I'm your co-host, Zach. With me as always, Vito. How are you, Vito? Doing awesome. How's it going, guys? Great. And of course, the man behind the editing and recording and all of this business, Anthony Ray Binch himself. How are you, sir? Thank you for the shout out. Um, I'm doing all right. Uh, did you have to like uh, practice that that opening speech to remember it? No, man, I actually didn't. I have to say I didn't even have it written down or anything. It was like it needed shit to locked. come out. Yeah. yeah. You got that shit locked. So I'm so happy that we're on the last Fast and the Furious movie ever. The last one they made. In, we made my, guys. Head canon, in my head canon, this is the final we're Fast the and Furious film. I would say this is the last one of the series that really feels like heartfelt, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, like heart in it. Yeah. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. There's there's heart in this movie. And Anthony, I think this may end up being one of your favorites. Uh, because it, there's a, having having revisited some of the uh, notes on it and stuff like that, and watching the first 15 minutes, there's a lot of stuff that I remember. I remember the audience being very weepy at the end of the film. It's it's very emotional. So, I again for me, having seen eight and nine now, this is the ending of the series in my head canon. Uh, well, you don't have two, uh, Anthony. I I don't have eight and nine now. <laughs> well, it's not a secret that. Paul Walker had passed away before this movie came out. So, I mean, everyone went into it knowing that. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, died, he died amazingly halfway through the film. I didn't know this. I had originally thought back when I first saw this, that he made it almost to the end and that they had some of the pickup stuff that they had to kind of adjust to make it work. But he died halfway through poor Jordana Brewster didn't even get to work with him. She was working on Dallas at the time and she came in at the very end of the series. I mean, at the end of the shoot. So she didn't even get to see him before he passed and they were very close. So she had to do all of her scenes with Cody and, uh, Cody and Caleb, who are his brothers, who came in to do the stand-in work and stuff. So none of her work even, you know, is is acting with him, which is crazy. And it's a good testament to her acting skills. Well, uh, should we kind of get into the opening? Is there anything else you guys wanted to say before we begin? Yeah, I, I wanted to throw a couple of those little facts yeah. out that we always do. Um, the tagline for this movie was Vengeance Hits Home, which, Anthony, you'll, you'll understand as the movie – progresses what that vengeance is but uh this was the second highest grossing uh film that universal pictures ever put out it reached a billion dollars and its worldwide opening weekend with 384 million which was more than the entire first film made in its entire run in the theater so it opened at 384 million the other thing that i thought was very interesting this is the first fast and furious film shot entirely digitally they used Ari Alexa XT and Red Epic cameras, which is crazy because it looks amazing. Uh, well, and James finally, Wan. oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's a James, the only one that James Wan had done for whatever reason. Justin Lin stepped out, and uh, maybe it was him that brought in a lot of that digital. Yeah, stuff. he. So Justin Lin was supposed to direct this, but they wanted him to start pre-production while 
Furious 6, or I guess it was Fast 6 and Furious 7. While Fast 6 was in post-production while he was editing, they wanted him to start pre-production on 7, and he was like, it's going to suck if I if I do too much. So he basically bowed out, and they brought in James Wan to take over. Curiously enough, uh, James Wan has said that the title is officially Furious 7, and it's a nod to Seven Samurai, which is one of his favorite movies. So I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, and I had forgotten. I mean, obviously, he's of, he's of Asian descent, but uh, James Wan is a, an Australian. He's, yeah, he's it. Hell of a hell of a horror film director too. I mean, yeah, he started the I soft guys have, guys, I guess he yeah. really only did the first one, but then obviously the Conjuring. Yeah, yeah, he's. I find him to be super talented. He even made me like the Aquaman movie, which I didn't want to like. It's not a great movie, but it's entertaining enough that I'd watch it if it was on TV and there was nothing else. Yeah, it's Are a you fun James? fetch quest movie. Say that again, sorry. It's a fun fetch quest movie. Right. Well, I was going to ask if, Anthony, if you're a James Wan fan to any degree. Yeah, I like the Conjuring movies. Um, I, I I think they're they're serviceable. I don't think they're, you know, like masterful cinema or anything like a lot of people do. I, I think they're they're entertaining and they have some good frights. Um I, I did like Aquaman. I, I, I thought it kind of harkened back to like the '80s, like action movies, like almost like a special effects, like super duper, like Indiana Jones movie where they have to go from you know item to item to get this, and then they have to you know put this into this, and, and then get a map to go. It, like I, I, I like that shit. Like that that shit reminds me of the movies I watched when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know that. Uh, that this wasn't Jessalyn. I thought this was Jessalyn. He does a great job, though. I I remember yeah. watching this and thinking, you know, because all I'd seen was like Insidious and, uh, you know, his horror stuff. And when I saw this, I was like, dude, this guy can really, he really knows how to direct action and really gets good performances from the actors out of this movie. I, I, w- I was in college. I got to see uh, an advanced screening of uh, Saw and got to talk to him and Lee, the writer, whose last name I forget. Wano. Uh, one L, yes, super cool guys. Just wanted to throw that out there, Anthony. I'm sorry, you're saying. No, um, I Vito was saying that uh, there's some really good acting. Like, yeah, I, I picked up on that in the first 15 minutes. There's two examples that I'll bring up when we get into the uh, breakdown of the movie. Okay, but it's it even like just from the first like minutes, like it kind of establishes itself as something that's different. Um, now, do you and, mean the previous films or movies at the time in general? Uh, previous films. I, I mean, I, I think it is. Yeah, we'll we'll go into it more. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I mean, like it uh, gets right into things. You might say, right, Vito? Yes, it does. It hops right in and just keeps going, man. Uh, well, yeah. The opening scene is a uh, we see a bald gentleman. The same one that, incidentally, we saw blowing up Han's car in the after-credits scene of the previous film. If we're doing this chronologically, we know that at this point. Um, And he's looking out a window in a tall London building. His opening line is, they say, if you want a glimpse of the future, just look behind you. I don't know what that means. It's it's a it's a it's a case of screenwriting wisdom that sounds really good but doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah I I really like this scene, um, but 
the dialogue is super weak. I, I think it's a testament to Jason Statham's acting abilities and his presence on screen that like really kind of elevates it because yeah, that monologue made no fucking sense at all. Well, we got a lot of information to dis- dispense here. Uh, yeah. it actually it actually kind of does make sense, guys, if you think because when I said that it didn't make any, I was thinking about it. But the entire monologue is him talking about how ever since they were kids, you know, Deckard Shaw was the I, I now I'm forgetting which one's which. Uh well, anyway, Statham well, was always me, protecting his brother. Scene. <laughs> yeah, no, but but so it does kind of make sense. So once we get to the end of this, I'll it, it's about him always having to be the one to protect his his brother would always start what? shit and he had Damn. to finish it. Yeah, I, I got that. I was talking about the opening line specifically, the one that Zach mentioned. Well, that's he's talking about though. He says that, but then he goes to the past and goes, "When we were kids, you All would right. always do this. You would always do that." You're not quite yeah, there. So it does make sense. Turns out we're in a hospital, and it's not just any room, but that of Owen Shaw from the previous film. He's battered and bruised from the events at the end of Fast Five. He fell out a plane. I believe is that where we left him? He fell out of an air, a moving airplane. Yeah, he got like propelled out the back, I think. Yes, so he's yeah. covered in burns, and I mean, I guess they're like asphalt burns, and he's on some kind of a breathing machine. And now this is the the monologue that, that Vito referenced: the uh, the bald man whose name we still don't know. I'm a stickler for that. Uh, he says that when him and Owen were kids, Owen would pick fights with the toughest bastards in the yard. But this fellow was the one who always had to step in and finish him. So, yeah, that was pretty much the point of his thing is saying, like, well, you thought the last bad guy was tough. Well, now his big brother is t- sticking up for him. Exactly. Yeah, I, I followed that again. I just think that that first line that you referenced was super weak. The whole <laughs> to go to the future, you have to go back to the past. Like, yeah, it's a line that if you just like skim it, it like it was it's clunky. Over, yeah, yeah but there's it, no meaning behind it yeah it's it's clunky and but again just satham like delivers it in a really compelling way he's a he's a very good actor i think he's very underrated in his acting abilities because his martial arts stuff always like overshadows it but he can act i mean he got to start in guy Ritchie movies you know well and, and two it's obviously i mean we all know that it's deckard shaw um but it is interesting to see him the character not the actor being serious and like kind of taking the thing. Cause I mean, in future films, it's not quite like that. Uh, but I did, I did like uh, how serious he was and, and just kind of like, you felt like, you know, shit. I mean, Dom and the, the team is in, you know, for some trouble. Yeah. I, I wish he, like, I, I know what happens with this character. At least I have like a, a pretty good idea, you know, seeing the other ones, um, but I, I wish he was the series villain because Charlize Theron is not doing it for me at all. And just, well, these- at this point in, in our lives, he is the series villain. We, I mean, I mean, I mean, I do agree with you. I absolutely agree with you, but this movie, I feel like is where we at least kind of get that. Mm-hmm. They just don't follow through with it. Yeah. No, no, it, it, it just, the, the first few minutes that I watched, like it, it's so much promise and to turn him into a, I guess like an anti-hero and then just a straight up hero, like slash member of the family is a real waste because I think the series needs like an overarching villain that actually does something instead of shows up with stupid looking haircuts and acts like a cartoon. 
Well, we Agreed. find out that these two just didn't grow up together, but they are brothers. Owen's brother says he hoped Owen had outgrown his behavior, but he hasn't, and that Owen is still his responsibility. He somehow has Dom's lucky magic cross necklace. I'm not entirely sure the steps that were taken. He bought it at Universal Studios. It's when obviously. he went to California, exactly. Yeah. So he somehow ha- – I'm sorry, Vito. Were you going to say something? No, I, I was just – I keep thinking about how these guys look nothing alike as brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, it always weirds me out because I didn't think Dom and Jacob in future movies look alike either. It's just weird. Find somebody who has the same at least characteristics and skin tones and stuff so they I look like they came more- from the same family. I think it was more let's find a role for Jason Statham rather than let's find an actor. Well, he was, he was supposed to play Owen Shaw, but he had scheduling conflicts. So he and uh, 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 Vin Diesel had been talking about making, you know, putting him into these movies somehow. So they basically created Deckard as a way to get him into the series because he was supposed to be Owen, but he couldn't do the, the other movie. Well, I mean, I feel like it worked. You know, yeah. we're still in a time here where they're taking this shit relatively seriously. Right. You know, so although uh, he also had a submachine gun, I thought, I mean, I like this opening scene too. And it only works for me because they basically took it seriously. Um, uh, Owen's big brother, Deckard, says he has one last score to settle, which made me laugh. You know, <laughs> he's not done with this shit. Uh, Before he leaves, we see a nurse and a doctor cowering in the back of the room as he tells them to take care of his brother. If anything happens to him, he'll come looking for them, which is, again, kind of silly. They have nothing to do with what's going on. Right. We're just trying to keep your brother alive, man. Exactly. Why would you come kill us? Yeah. It was just a way for him to sound threatening. Um. It worked. It is that that scene could have come off so goofy. By just enough, with, yeah, it, it, it you know with cinematography and the way that's shot, and again Jason Statham, like just really being like a cool, calm, collected like just villain. Like you learn so much about him without like a serious like exposition dump on his backstory. Like, yeah, we get a little bit about, you know, his relationship with his brother, but it's not overdone. It's not overexplained. Yep. It, it's like the perfect length too. Like it's not a scene that just goes on and on and on and on and on, which it totally had the potential to do it. Like I'm watching it and I'm like thinking, I know where it's going to go and how it's going to play out. And there's that nice touch with the nurse and then the doctor like cowering the corner. Like I thought that was so neat and that was such a cool like shot. And, and, you know, the way that like, he just like speaks to them, like it's nothing, you know, and like out of focus the entire time. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. And as he walks through that hallway where like, there's just all the beat up dead guards and like, you know, the electrical wire, it just, it shows the mayhem. Like I really thought that was something special. Um, it definitely my favorite opening scene out of uh, any of the movies so far. The ultimate irony of this is that with the number of people he killed, everyone else in the hospital is going to die except for his brother. Well, but it <laughs> does imply that he killed a bunch of guards. Although I was like, well, why would he necessarily have had to shoot his way in? I mean, I know why to, to, to show it for the movie, but it was kind of like, well, surely he could have found a, a stealthier way could have climbed in through the window. Sure, I could have climbed in through the window, but I wanted to do it my way. I wouldn't have got to use me SMG. 
submachine. I, I remember maybe listening to a podcast or something where they were talking about this movie, or maybe it was like an interview, but they wanted to kind of have Shaw be like this, like almost like the shark from Jaws where everywhere he goes, like just destruction is in his wake. Um, and I, I, again, I haven't seen the rest of the movie. I've just seen this first 15 minutes, but I can totally get that vibe for sure. Like wherever he goes, like there's just, chaos and destruction and like yeah I, I i really like this character so far and i can't I, wait i can't wait till he gets his own spinoff i know well <laughs> you never know be um, careful what you wish for padawan that's right um did you i actually didn't notice this uh the first time i, I watched through it but uh this is all one take this is yeah, all one yeah. shot, opening i it's, love that it's a lot less impressive when you realize if you watched any of the behind the scenes stuff, it's all done on a set. So basically like when he, they yeah, when, he when he's looking out the window, it's all blue screen. So basically they follow him into the elevator and then they're just kind of moving the elevator around and opening he's it. And he's walking out. Set. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's almost all blue screen. Well, it, I wasn't sitting there watching it thinking like, Oh man, look at all this CGI. I mean, right. I think at least they kind of made it feel because I was too busy thinking, like, really, why did he have to do this? You know, this isn't this overkill um, because like, well, he goes down the elevator. And so, of course, the lobby as well is destroyed. And there's one guard laying there still alive. So he takes a grenade, pulls the pin and hands it to him, blowing this guy up for no reason. Just evil. Yeah. And, and he also thrusts the guy towards another doctor and a nurse. But they presumably run away because you, they're standing there. And as the camera pulls back, they're gone. So apparently they've run off. Yeah. The guard like falls back in a chair. And the idea is that he can't get up or get the grenade off of him, I guess. So he's got no choice, but to explode. He's got no choice, but to die. That's right. <laughs> There's your tagline. That's I love that. Actually. That's a great, that's a great James Bond movie title. No choice, but to die. That's right. No time to die. Uh, so the guy drives off and we're whisked away from dreary London, dreary London, England, to a desert highway where a car is zooming down the road with some windmills in the background. Some of that uh, green energy, Anthony, they call it. It'll give you cancer and it kills birds. Oh, no. <laughs> it also requires some gas. And uh, other other things to keep them running, but we won't get into that one right now. This <laughs> is just scenery for uh, well, and I did like, I mean, because the London shots were all very blue, and this is all very orange and uh, very bright, and just like the way it's shot, instantly different. Uh, and I, I forget exactly how much of the previous film was in London, but the the majority of it. So this did feel different right away. Um, Dom and Letty are in the car. Dom is still trying to jog her memory, but she doesn't recognize any of the scenery. It turns out they're headed to Anthony's favorite summer event, Race Wars. I marked out over this. I was like, the return of Race Wars. Then they fucking retconned it by saying that Dom and, and Letty created Race Wars. That wasn't mentioned in the first movie at all. Do you, it was, do you find uh, it? It wasn't negated. Sorry, no, yeah, it's it's highly ironic that a man who calls his production company One Race has a character that created something called Race Wars. <laughs> it's a very contradictory thing. But in this case, Ray, it's got dual meanings, you see. 
well, they we get hope. to it. <laughs> and I liked it too. It was a little bit of fan service without like, I mean, it, it made sense in the story why they were going there. It didn't feel shoehorned in. Uh, no, the fact that they founded it felt really shoehorned in. Yes, I, no, I, I agree. Like that. that was maybe taking it a step too far. Uh, but people are racing. Built the racetrack. <laughs> I know. Don't don't like. I'm re- trying to refrain from doing my Vin impression. Uh, people are racing, doing motorcycle tricks, rubbing booties together. I know Vito enjoyed that part. Oh yeah, it's always my favorite sequences is the butt shots. Yeah, maybe I missed it. They, at some point, I, I thought I wrote it down, but yeah, she's like, they, you know, we used to come here or whatever. He's like, we invented it. Yeah. How does that even, what do you mean? So you wrote this idea down, you got the vendors, you got all the people that were necessary to put the, the shit together. I mean, what? it, it just makes no sense. No. It would have made a lot more sense if it was like, yeah, I mean, like we used to came, come here. We've been coming here since they started it, something like that. Yeah. Totally agree with you, Anthony. He's he's not only is, is Dom a superhero, he's also a business genius. That's right. He's he's uh, really the man of the head of his time, you might say. He's a project coordinator. That's right. Uh, <laughs> he's like, very organized. <laughs> very than, organized. Well, I mean, he ran a business. He was running a that deli and a garage. Not to mention the his uh, evil empire for at least a couple of years. So he's a guy. He's a entrepreneur, I guess. He was destined for greatness. That's right. Uh, later on, Letty is getting ready to race some some fella, and Dom gives her racing advice, saying that her opponent will f- fry his pistons within I don't know if it's two hundred feet meters, two hundred within two hundred. He says. Yeah, he's psychic now. We can add that to his list of uh, of amazing things that he can do in these movies. Yeah, how does he get? Is he reading the guy, the car he's raced in before? We're not really sure. We're, let's not forget this is a man who was able to do a CSI style mind recreation of a car wreck mm-hmm. using the the tire marks and stuff, and to figure out how Letty had been killed, and to see in his own mind what the man looked like, <laughs> even though he had no idea. Right. What the man looked like. He was able to see Phoenix in full with Mohawk and everything. Well, the way that look, the footprints were. Hmm? So look, when when Dom was a young boy, he got bit by a spider covered in Nas, and now he has <laughs> all these superhuman abilities. We're gonna find that out in the next movie. So you're willing to believe this, but not Roman. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um well, somehow Letty remembers that her style is to ride or die. She can't remember, you know, uh, Dom's loving embrace, but she remembers this. Uh, Dom says that she should just, <laughs> just ride on this one. He doesn't want to lose her again. How ironic would that be? She dies in her first race back. I know, and right? like, she back. came back from the dead only to die again. Let me check if I still have Elena's phone number. Oh, yep, we're we're good. I'm gonna live. I'm gonna move Elena, on. You're still in LA, right? I'm single again. Um, this but- time she's dead. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> yeah, for real this time. I saw it happen with my own eyes. Um, a butt attached to a girl walks up to start the race. The girl asks the guy if he's ready, and then tells Letty she knows she's ready. 
And Letty's probably wondering who the heck this girl is. She has no memory of anything. Um, the butt girl takes her sweet ass time and finally starts the race. They take off. Letty takes Dom's advice and her opponent blows out his engine. Letty wins. Yay. Yay. Any thoughts on that race? Anthony liked how short it was. Yeah, that, that, I, I appreciate that. He was looking at his watch like, thank goodness, another quarter mile race. This I, I literally, literally probably just looked down at my phone. I don't even remember what happened. I know they went in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And then I know mm-hmm. what happened after, but I think I just blurred out the entire race. That's well, what I do that. Fair, it wasn't a very thrilling race. In the other movies, there's always some sort of tension between the two drivers. There's always yeah. a back and forth. She literally is like, keep it under 9,000. And then you hear him go, shit, as this car like stalls. And then she wins. What I think is hilarious about this race is how when she gets out of the car and everyone's congratulating her, what they're essentially saying is, hey, Congratulations, because the other guy's car broke down. It's not <laughs> right. She did anything. She still won, and she's yeah, like but- a celebrity at this place, I guess. You know, oh, the the founding couple is returned. Everyone right. wasn't she dead? You know, like you have the one person who's like ghost girl, ghost girl. It's like right. don't you think that's a little right. bit fucking insensitive to be saying to someone you thought was dead? Yes, and a blonde, and this is. Well, I was just going to say that this is a character we've never seen before. The one that calls her ghost girl. Uh, what were yeah. you going to say? Well, it's, it's played it's by rapper. Iggy Azalea. Yeah, it's Iggy Azalea. Yeah, I'm glad she isn't around anymore. I um, certainly would have known that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to com- compliment Michelle Rodriguez in the next scene. But the scene where she's having her little PTSD like breakdown yeah, was really cringe. super cringe. It, it was really bad. Was Did that? you guys notice how it was shot too? Though James Wan shot it almost like a horror. It's almost like a horror scene with all the people, like one of us, one yeah. of us, gobbledy It's like, very claustrophobic, and you the camera it. kind of spins too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, her her reaction didn't ring true for you. No, no, it was super cringe and just like really like over the top. And then she just runs and gets in a car and zooms off. This, this movie is going to get way more over the top, so much so that it should co-star Sylvester Stallone's biceps, okay? <laughs> it's going to be over the top to the extreme. Right. It, this should be really an arm wrestling movie. Um, well, in a, way, in a way, it will be, but we won't get into that. <laughs> well, Letty is the so- Furious wrestling with my family. <laughs> biceps and anyway. Uh, biceps Letty is feeling over my family. By all the people. Suddenly, memories of the night she died come rushing back. So before she takes off, she starts to kind of see that night again with Phoenix and everything. And uh, someone from the crowd grabs her from behind. And this, I think, is something, Vito, that you referenced in the very first episode of this podcast when uh, Hector returns. Yeah, the return of Hector. Back back after six movies. Mm-hmm. Or seven years later. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Just but get it, punched in the face. Yes. And, and to be emasculated for it. You never could take a punch, Hector. He's like, he yes, you're right. I'm a pussy. <laughs> he took it fine. Like, he didn't cry. He didn't, like, so he was happy. just like, ah. I know, right? He took it pretty well, actually. Yeah, yeah. fuck you, Dom. Yeah, Dom, Dom always has to be, I think Dom is short for dominance at this point. Because, like, he always has to be the alpha in every scene. You know what I mean? He's always the one I who's really the fucking... Think- 
I think that was yeah. per- part of where his name came from. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to ask Rob. Well, we did get a chance. It didn't occur to me to ask uh, Rob. Oh, God. Cohen. Rob Cohen. It's been a long year and a half. Fellas. Yes, it has. Go back and listen to our interview with Mr. Rob Cohen um, right here on this very podcast. But yeah, um, Letty turns around, punches Hector in the face, gets in the car and races off. And Dom is kind of coming up through the crowd. And again, Hector doesn't seem super concerned, more impressed than hurt, I guess. And really, I'm sure just happy to be in the film. Um <laughs> Not that he doesn't have his own thing going, but I mean, it's like, hey, I get to reprise this character in this billion-dollar film. Yeah, dude, don't knock that because the residuals are crazy. When a movie makes a billion dollars, that you can make like fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars sometimes a year just for the for the residuals on those kind of movies. I knew a guy in a in a small role in um, Pulp Fiction. And he said that he he could live off the royalties from that for a few years. Just holy shit, the royalties off that film. Who who was the guy? Just out of curiosity, Wayne Whitaker. He played one of the Gimp owners. Wow. The with, yeah. Yeah, the one with the beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking great, dude. Yeah. I mean, he's in a bunch of other stuff, but I remember him telling me that, and I was like, I believe it. Um, so I'm sure Hector, you know, did pretty well off of his one appearance here in this uh, movie. Yeah. Were you happy to see him, Anthony? Did that kind of spark like a, oh, I remember that guy, or yeah, I couldn't care like? Yeah, uh, to be honest, like uh, probably the day after we went and saw uh, Fast and the Furious 9, like uh, my girlfriend Megan, uh, she was interested in watching the first movie, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it with you. Um, I probably wouldn't have remembered Hector had I not gone back and watched the first movie with my girlfriend. Um, but I remember watching it and going like, oh yeah, yeah, that guy, I remember him. And when he showed up, when I watched it this morning, I was like, oh, hey, Hector. But again, had I not refreshed my memory, mm-hmm. I, I probably would have been like, oh, it's some random dude. Right. He got punched in the fucking face. Well, I did like that. It was a way to show that Letty really had lost her memories without just, you know, like, I don't remember Dom. I don't remember. Dom. It was a different way. I thought kind of a clever way to address it further. Yeah. He's, he's related to the to Dom somehow, right? Isn't he like a cousin or something like that? I can't remember. They're just I think they're just friends. From, yeah. From the yeah. old days. Yeah, I think they just grew up together. Um, no, I, I really like the actor and I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to show up later on, but I hope he does. No, he's going to be the he's going to be the villain, the hidden villain in the entire series. That's right. It turns this out for punching me in the fucking face, Letty. They need to do something like that. Just, just hmm? some extra from the first movie is like the main series villain pulling all the strings. I would love that. That'd be so silly. Well, I've got to figure out for some sort of like mega cross with all the villains that survived the films teaming up in the last film to take everybody on, you know, just so it's almost like Verone. I'm telling you. Yeah. I would love to bring that dude back. But by the way, I do have to ask Anthony, what did Megan think of the, of the first film? Did she like it or did she not like it? Uh, she, so she absolutely hated the last two that we saw. Uh, we saw eight and nine together. She, has she hated them. Yes. Was that? She has reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, she, she hated them. Um, not her cup of tea at all. Um, 
But what but about the, the OG? The OG, she she kind of thought like me. It was like a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, surprised at all? I, I don't know. She's hard to read. <laughs> she has no expressions. No, no, not at all. She's stonewall all the time. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I, I've got, been on record saying that I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it the second time I watched it as well. Um, cool. Yeah. They really do. I hate to say it. These movies hinge on the relationship between Dom and Brian. And, and when he's not in the picture, I really feel that the films suffer. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that later, I guess. I, I agree with you. Um, Hector tells Dom it's good to see him. And meanwhile, somewhere else, uh, Brian is in a car revving it up. And in perhaps the best joke of the entire series, he shifts, hits the accelerator, then the brake, and stops in front of an elementary school to drop off Little Jack. I thought that yeah, was I cool. love I love that push in on his eyes like he's about to start a race. crazy race. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you guys ever been in a situation where you're uh, picking up like a relative or something from school? Yes. Yeah, it, it's it's intense like that. So I got a, I got a kick out of that scene. It really is like you have like soccer moms just like veering in front of you and just yeah, it's it's nerve wracking. So that scene was really uh, really funny. See, I, I didn't want to open. I, I was very careful of how I worded that because I didn't want to say, "Have you ever picked up a kid from school?" <laughs> you guys just run wild, child. Are, are you this child's father? No, <laughs> not technically. Not yet. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, Brian has trouble getting the door lock open, but a sexy young teacher comes over to show him how. The hot teacher takes Jack, and Brian asks for a high five from him before he goes. The teacher tells Brian he'll get used to this, and Brian says that's what he's afraid of. Again, I thought this was like a really nice – it was better than the, the bullet cover. I miss the bullets. No, you don't. But I like the way they did it here. Yeah, and the, the, the little kid's a pretty good actor, too. He, usually little child actors are very annoying, but he mm. came off as being a very authentic little kid and, and very enthusiastic. And you think yeah. if this was directed by James Wan that uh, his son would have played little Jack? Why is he Asian? <laughs> it, hey, in this series, it doesn't matter. Nobody, right. None of the relatives look alike. Dom, Dom looks nothing like Mia. Owen looks nothing like Deckard. Dom looks nothing like Jacob. It doesn't matter. All you have to do is repeat the word family over and over, and somehow it works. What's what, was that, uh, what was that button line they said? Like, oh, God, I hope not, or something like that. Like, when she's like, you'll get used to it. Oh, uh, well, he's trying to get, like, the, the door open, and he's kind of talking about the controls on the minivan, and she says, don't worry, you'll get used to it in no time. And he says, that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, I kind of wish he wouldn't have said that's what I'm afraid of and just kind of let his his expression like convey that. Sure. I, I think the the they got a spoon line, for some people. Yeah, that line of dialogue was really just kind of ham-fisted and it kind of bothered make me. More sense though. It'll it'll make more sense within the context of the story later in the film. No, I um, I, I get the context, you know. Like I, I just <laughs> like a it's the, just these really like spoon fed like 
lines of dialogue. Really on, just, you don't necessarily have to say it out loud. You're saying. Right. Show don't tell. And I, I think like Paul Walker is a good enough actor to where, you know, like he could have conveyed that feeling of like, you know, I don't want, I'm kind of, uh, I, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Conflicted with this life and my, you know, more crazy crime spree, whatever life. Bullets. Yeah. Shot at the rush. I, I don't know. To me, it was just obvious. Like I, I get what they were doing. Vito just, it, that line didn't work for me and I wish it would have been done differently. If that makes sense. Yeah. That night, uh, Letty is at her own grave. Dom comes up to meet her. Where did he get the car? I don't know. I'm sure someone let him borrow it. Uh, Letty says when she first saw her own tombstone, she thought it was funny, but now it looks like the joke is on her, whatever that means. It's also very strange that they still have the tombstone set. Like, yeah, what happens in that situation? What the, yeah, what are the rules if like the guy suddenly shows up ten years later? Do you take the? Do you get a refund on the headstone? Like, you can use that process, lot. right? Yeah, I doubt they would give a refund on the headstone, but they would probably uh, give away the plot. Yeah, so that they sold it. The guy's like, I'll tell you what, we'll keep it all intact, and then when you're ready, we'll put it in there, we'll change When you're the ready, date, we'll just dump you date of her death. <laughs> From 2009 to 2038, okay? Just think how much money you'll be saving with inflation. <laughs> you got another good 30 years on you. So here comes my compliment of Michelle Rodriguez. In this scene, I think she acts the shit out of it and does a really good job. Again, dialogue is kind of clunky and a little heavy-handed and obvious, but yeah, it, I, I think this is the best acting I've ever seen her do in any movie. Just this little, like, scene, three-minute or whatever scene. I think she really killed it. Have well, you ever Rob seen Girl Fight? I have not. She's exceptionally good in that movie. Um, it's it was her debut. She'd never acted before. Mm -hmm. And uh, for this film. Yeah, or not she's, this film, but this she's they were super good. Yeah, it's 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 an incredible role. I did I did want to point something out. Um, this is a little long, but it's from the IMDB site about uh, the timelines and stuff. So it says that Letty's tombstone uh, shows the year of her supposed death as 2009. Mm. And uh, that was the year Fast and Furious was released in real life. So after her funeral. Wait, you, okay, you mean Fast and Furious 4? Yes, yes. Uh, basically, the film. Well, you know what? This is actually way too long to read, but it, I'll, I'll send it to you guys. And maybe uh, folks who are listening at home, you don't want to hear me read. It's it's a massive paragraph. But if you want to know the timeline of the actual movies, they've someone has gone on IMDb yeah. and the trivia and like gotten it down to where like. It's it's 18 months later in 2012, and you know this is happening. So these okay. films are basically taking place. Uh, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift is in 2013-14, basically, which I think we already established. Yeah, obviously because of the flip phones. Yeah, and their flip phones are all backwards. But well, I guess uh, we could consider this film kind of back on present day. I mean, does it say that we're in 2015 at this point? Yeah, it's it's going to be 2014, 2015, based on Han's death in 2013 or 14, depending on the timeline. So yeah, it's okay. it's around 2015, which is when the movie came out. Mm -hmm. So they basically catch up with each other. Okay, you know what I mean. The other ones are flashbacks, but this one's in real time, right? So to speak. Yeah, that was a long story short, but 
yeah. was this a fan that figured this out or was this a producer because my, my oh, money's sure on a fan yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's probably a fan but it's under I the trivia on imdb so yeah you know, somebody you somebody anymore but I, I I can just imagine the writers and the producer going, "Who the fuck cares?" Right. Just make oh, sure the cars people. go fast. Yeah. The women are scantily clothed, and uh, there's family. Just that's the requirement. Well, Dom shows up, and he's got a sledgehammer with him, and he's about to bash the headstone uh, and the scenery, but Letty stops him. <laughs> he says the tombstone is the, no. She says the tombstone is the truth. The date on the tombstone is the date that she lost her memory and Letty died. Yeah. The day the Letty died. That's right. Drinking whiskey and rye. She says she feels bad because she can see that Dom has 15 years of memories with her that she can't share. Letty says she's got to go find herself. She kisses Dom, who does not close his eyes. I thought that was weird. Uh, and she leaves and Dom just stands there with his sledgehammer all sad. It's a good yeah, scene. That, that scene's a little cheesy, but it, oh, it's but it cheesy, works. yeah. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like, and you could compare this to the later films where it doesn't quite work as well, even though it's not like Shakespeare dialogue. It feels very genuine. The actors pull it off. It's not like you know winking at you, like isn't this really silly? I mean, it it, it works well enough. Yeah. yeah. No, Vin Vin Diesel, like it, it really blew my mind how good of an actor he was in the first one and how boring and monotone he was in fast nine. Like it, it sucked. Like, I, I feel like he's just phoning it in. Um, well, I yeah. mean, that's, that's a whole other debate. I think that here we get like, you know, Chris Morgan has been working with this series, you know, since the third one at this point, um, and there's sort of a trust, I guess, between maybe the writers and the actors and everything, because, you know, this was the only one James Wan had worked on. Yeah. Um, so I just I feel like there's a little more heart to this film than where it would go later. Well, I, I mean, I was speaking for the future films. I haven't seen the rest right. of this one. Um, right. So far, Vin Diesel really hasn't done anything to impress me. The two people that have impressed me during this 15 minute chunk where uh, Jason Satham and Michelle Rodriguez. So I don't know how he fares for the rest of the movie, but like I said, it just, that first well, movie, like he, he just has scenes that are just so much better. Like it just, it was a really jarring thing watching the last movie that they made fast nine. And then going back and watching the first one, like within a day. Oh gosh. Like, I can imagine. Yeah. It, it just like, I, what what happened? <laughs> like I want to know what happened because right. Vin Diesel had some talent and some skills. Fifteen years uh, happened, and I don't know. You know, I think studios get involved, and well, we need to do this, or maybe we change that for the this market. You know, and I mean, who knows? And then you know, of course, Vin or the actors, I should say, not just Vin Diesel, but you know, everyone gets to the point where they have a say now yeah. because they're so involved. You know, just there's the more cooks there are. The more problems you run into. Well, I think so too that Vin Diesel promised uh, Paul Walker that they would make ten films. So even after this one ends, he was like, "We got three more to make. We got to honor it." But it's also like one of those things where I, I feel in the the last two films, like Anthony said, their hearts are not in it anymore. I think that they're just doing it to get 
to get it over with at this point, instead of really putting feeling and emotion and, and something genuine into it. They're just like, okay, yeah, let's let's do this and get it over with. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to harp on this, but like in the first movie, there's scenes where he clearly loses his cool. And like, you know, there, there's these bursts of emotion and it's really, really good. It's not done in a over dramatic way. Like it, it's, it's realistic. If you ever seen somebody kind of like lose it, like Vin Diesel does that perfectly. And like that scene where, you know, like uh, he finds out that Brian's a cop when he's making that phone call, like, holy shit, that look that he gave him was really, really just amazing. Oh, and we like, talked about the scene yeah. where you know, Brian is on the phone and, and like Dom now knows that he's a, a really a cop, but you know, Vince is about to die. So they can't really deal with it. I mean, it's fucking great. Yeah. There, there's all these really great moments and, you know, like he also, you know, showing emotional like range and his character was vulnerable. His character made mistakes. When was the last time, you know, Dom fucked up like the first movie, probably like at well, that again, scene where he crashes the car and he, he doesn't make, you know, it's such now, a film at this point, you know, was that? I say it's such a different movie at this point. <clears throat> like, you know, in the first one, it's very grounded. I mean, they have the time to kind of explore those uh, character progressions and stuff. And now it's like, you know, it's a high priced uh, action flick. And like, I don't, I think it's more like, what's the story for these characters? How do we get to the action pieces? And I, I agree with you. I just don't think that that's what their goals are now. Yeah, they, that, that should be the goal to make me oh, happy. Yes. So, specifically in order that's to make me happy, these characters need to feel real. They need to feel grounded. They need to make mistakes. They need to lose their cool. They need to get in situations that, you know, are, are, impossible to come out unscathed instead of like every move works every stunt you know comes off perfect like everything is so calculated and you know vin diesel is so perfect and he doesn't lose his cool like well what what cool shit they could have done with like the return of his brother and instead like, he, he has no reaction he's just like yeah my brother's back well it's that's well, that's the the funny meme that i see going around where it's like eight films where he's like family 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 and then this one he's like oh by the way this is my brother and it's like you mean to tell me that in all of these films he's never been like this is why jacob this is why i don't talk to jacob anymore and they and they blow it off he never mentions the guy ever and you know what I, I, all right I, hold on i i can go off on a tangent on nine i mean like let's yeah. not get too crazy here yeah um but I do think it's interesting just going off of that topic, how grounded Hobbs is compared to where they go with him, because this is where we see Hobbs come back in at the DSS and he's just sitting at his desk looking like a creeper sweating just, from stamping, just sweating up a mess. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got stamp. Hobbs and Shaw mixed up. No, yeah. no, no. This is the rock. We're back with very right. grounded Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. What do you do? You think people actually sit and hand stamp captured onto photos? It's like, what happens if the guy gets away? You have to create a whole new file oh, now. Yeah. You haven't escaped one. Escaped. You know, like I know he's got his checklist, and it seems as though he spent the entire evening just doing this. Like this is what he's doing for the night is stamping. Yeah, because she's like, "Aren't you gonna go home? You've you've been you know you've been so quiet." He's just oh, like, yeah. "There's a lot of files." 
Elena, they're still working together, apparently. You, I, what did you say, Vito? Oh, I, I was just making fun of the fact that he literally, he's such a workaholic that he's like, these stamps can't wait till tomorrow morning. Who's he stamping? I, I even I forget. Was it somebody that we know? I, I didn't recognize him. I, I, yeah, I paused it's it. And it was just probably a couple of prop guys that they uh, yeah. you know, took photos of and made up some mock things, you know. Mm-hmm. But there, there is the important line, though, that she does have where she says, none of these guys that you captured ever put up any fights. It's like you would think in real life that a cop would be like, good. But he's like, no, I want them to run. I want to, you know, destroy right. public property trying well, to catch these guys. The Rock is still like he's still fairly grounded, but they're starting to introduce his wackier side. And I know it's probably Rock's idea. But yeah, like <clears throat> Alina comes and says, you know, don't work too late. And he's like, I'll do whatever I damn well want, woman. Like, yeah. All right, Hobbs. Um, he's been like that, though, with the other. He always says that. Don't tell me what to do, woman. That's he always has that kind of. Yeah. Uh, but she's now. Was she was the one that brought him the envelope and in the at the end of five, correct? Or six or whatever it was. <laughs> Fucking forgotten at this point. You're talking Donald about when they Mendes. say that Letty is still alive. Still alive, yeah. No, that was, no, that uh, was uh, Eva Mendez. It was yeah, Eva Mendez. Right, jeez. Whom, whom they still haven't brought back. Really brought back. I, I wonder if they should have her back in. She they doesn't should. act anymore. Ava Mendez, that's right. One could argue she that's never acted when she was acting. Anthony. I know, but I didn't hear you in my head. It's for my own edification. Ah. But so she leaves and Hobbs is looking looking at this envelope, which is not the Letty envelope. Uh, he chases out uh, Alina, meets her in the parking lot and gives her the envelope and says she asks what it is. And he tells her it's that recommendation she was asking for to get out from under uh, his ass. I'm sure I, I would love franchise. Please let me go. I love the fact that uh, in my mind, I imagine the person opening the letter of recommendation. He's like, when this woman came to me and asked for a recommendation, I was like, you're crazy, woman. Get out of my office. But I decided to write it for her anyway. Wasn't she a fugitive at, at some point? From, from, yeah, last movie. from her home. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't really say what recommendation she's going after. Um, Hobbs it's, goes it's it's a nursery. Yes, where she wants to get out of the the. She's retiring. She's only a few months away from retirement. Finally, uh, no more people shooting at me and making right, my no life hell. No, it's a recommendation for like a daycare. She's she's with child. <laughs> Gosh, oh, I mean the writers have... don't know that yet, but we know it. That's right. Hobbs goes back inside the building and finds some motherfucker at his desk typing on his computer. It's Owen's bald brother, Vito. Yes. He looks like a creeper in this shot. Yeah. Like, and honestly, I, like, it, it kind of looked like he was jacking it to porn a little <laughs> bit, like, from the way that it was, it was I don't get shot. Wi-Fi on my computer. <laughs> Do you mind? I'm almost finished. We can I wish I after I not. Well, I he does like, say, he does tell me, he's like, give me a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I did like that, that Hobbs like looks at his gun and sees that he can't get to it, so they at least address why he doesn't just pull a gun on him. Yeah, he like reach kind of like pats like his uh, his thigh. Yeah, he, yes, he kind of yeah. reaches for it, and then he sees it over on the other side of his desk. That was a neat little touch. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Hobbs does the old throat clearing and big brother Shaw tells him to give him a second. Hobbs tells him to get off his computer before he breaks his finger six different ways and sticks it where the sun don't shine. And that's where I said, ah, here comes the rock. Before I turn that some bitch sideways and stick it right up your Rudy Pooh candy ass. Every line that he has in this movie drips with machismo to the nth degree. That's right. Right off the screen. There's like so much testosterone in every line. Yeah, I even wrote down Hobbs says some other macho stuff and that he's the last guy whose computer you'd want to hack into, blah, blah, blah. No, no, he says uh, – uh, go, go ahead, continue. Like there's there's a line that really bothered me. Go ahead. Well, because Shaw says he doesn't care about Hobbs' computer. He just wants the info on the team that crippled his brother. Mm-hmm. So then, like, the next line is something like, well, you know, or he, he says something about, oh, like, I want the team. It, was, it wasn't a team. It was him. Yeah, that- and and the guy that did it is standing right in front of you. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Hold the fuck on. Like, Shaw has his back <laughs> turned <laughs> towards, towards the rock. Like... He's not in front of him at all. The computer is in front at this point. Like, But he knows whose desk he's at, right? Figuratively standing right in front of your brother. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 Like he could have like turned the chair to face him and then he could have delivered that line. If you look at the reflection in the computer, I'm standing (laughs) in front of you. Even that would have worked. Even that would have worked. It makes no sense to say the guy who, uh, you know, basically – what if he crippled said your brother? Like would that that would have worked too. Yes. But he did not say that. He specifically said the guy who crippled your brother is standing right in front of you. And it's like, no, no, you're not. You're not. You know what's possible? It is. I don't possible. like being lied to movie. I don't like being lied to. I, I would say that that might've been a continuity error in terms of like, maybe they shot Deckard one day and Hobbs another day, like the, the reverse angles. And maybe he did turn to him in the scene, you know, the day before, I, I mean, who knows shit like that happens all the time in movies. Well, I also think that the rock has his own writer who very well could have been writing those lines for him specifically without knowing what was actually going on in the scene. Look, I'm sure there's a, uh, a movie logical or not a movie, but a production logical explanation, but I, I don't like being lied to. For sure. That, the you movie lied to me. Intelligence insulted. Damn it. Yep. Yep. Well, Shaw says that some lady was right about Hobbes being a terrible liar. Do we know who he's referring to? She said you she was right. You are a terrible liar. Maybe we find out later. Yeah, I don't remember. Was there a reference to a line that Elena said? Like. Or 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 what's her name? That he was in the room listening. Gina Carana. She died, right? She's dead. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't figure that out. Maybe it's something we find out again later. Haven't you seen this movie, Zach? Yeah, but they all, I mean, not in a few years. You're really letting us down. I know. Well, we'll find out together. Uh, Shaw flips over Hobbs' desk, desk and kicks him through a glass wall. They start fighting, going through all the glass walls and partitions. And uh, our 15 minutes ends right in the middle of the fight. You know, what is interesting about this is that the opening scene of the film shows you just how dangerous Deckard Shaw is. He's taken out an entire wing of like this Royal Guard 
you know, hospital. Mm -hmm. This scene shows you just how dangerous Hobbs is because he's the one man who gives him a hard time. Mm -hmm. So like, I thought that was an interesting contrast that he's having trouble fighting Hobbs versus taking out an entire regiment of soldiers. But he clearly has no trouble machine gunning people to death. Why did he not do that here? Because it's not sportsmanlike. The, the movie would yeah. be over if he did it. Uh, right. My 15 minutes, I watched it on YouTube, the extended cut. My 15 minutes ended exactly with the rock getting elbowed in the fucking face. Yeah, kind of me funny. too. Yeah, uh, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, after they got, he kind of throws him, like suplexes him onto a desk. Yeah. Like through a little glass partition. And it wasn't... I mean, I guess because it wasn't 20 minutes, or I guess we haven't finished it yet, so we don't know how long it is. But uh, it didn't feel like exhausting like some of the stuff later does. I do think that this movie, even though it's heightened, comparatively, it's still fairly realistic. The, the interesting thing is that I think a lot of movies today, especially action films, they feel that more is better instead of having actual... You know, the best fight scenes, obviously, are the ones where there's some sort of emotional connection bet between the two some characters yep. that makes some sense why they're fighting. And you give a shit about it because you care about these characters. And and a lot of modern films don't have that. You know what I mean? They don't they don't have that. They're just like, how about if they go through their heads, go through walls and, you know, this and that. And it's like, think about this. In this movie, Deckard already has what he wants. There's really no reason for them to fight other than. He's got to get out of there. He's got to get away. He knows yeah, Hobbs isn't going to let him out of there. So I mean, yeah, he's have to fight his way out. I don't get the impression that he's trying to get away. I don't know. He likes to fight, right? Why not? Yeah. He came here to kick ass and chew gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. That's right. Was was Owen British? I forget. Yeah. I guess he was. Yeah, he was British. Yeah. Yeah, Luke Evans is British. Now, Anthony, I know we're only 15 minutes into this, but how are you feeling so far? Uh, so far, I think it's the uh, it's the best opening 15 minutes out of any of the movies we've seen. They feel like everyone feels like they're in a different place. Yeah. In their lives. No, the, the way that's shot, um, the acting, not so much the dialogue, the acting. Um, it, it's just it's really interesting. Um, it, it feels like it. It feels fresh uh, without feeling um, alienated, if that makes sense. Like it's it's it's, it's still just really respect of the film. Yeah, of the, of the yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it it's just really fucking strong, and and it impressed me. It impressed me a lot. Yeah, I'm excited to rewatch this one. Um, I think it's just really a shame, you know, that they lost you know, Brian and that now they're sort of, they forced themselves into this position where they have to like pretend he's still around. And we'll get into all that later. Cause I don't really think they handled it very well at all, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. We're back fellers. Yeah. It's I, I, the more that I think about this one, the more I really like it quite a bit. Um, I, I haven't seen it since it, since I saw it in the theater, so I'm kind of reliving it now, and I, I've resisted the temptation. I almost watched it in full last night instead of in the 15 minutes, which I still might do. But I remember um, now that I'm looking back at this, it's way better made than I remember. 
Um, especially having, I mean, I, we keep harping on eight and nine, but like, especially since we've, we've gone to see where it's evolved into quote unquote, um, this one is so well done and so well put together. And, uh, if you guys do have the opportunity, there's some really great after, after the, we'll probably have to do this afterwards, but there's some really great, uh, sequences that James Wan, uh, shot where he shows you how he did the scenes and why he did what he did. And it's a very thoughtfully put together movie. And I think he did a hell of a great job considering that, you know, like the crow, how the crow had to, was halfway done shooting when Brandon Lee died and they still had to make a cohesive movie. Most of the time, the movie turns out to be very bad and it's not their fault because you have to completely rework the entire plot. But this movie holds up. You know what I mean? It really does work. And uh, I've seen it in in 10 years. Yeah, but I mean, this this first 15 minutes, though, is so well done. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's one of those things where it's like, I remember the, the rest of the movie being, this tight, you know what I mean? It's, well, I, it's, it's I, a pretty tight movie. I so, agree. I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it in full twice, and both times I remember being pretty happy with it. So excited yeah. to see what Anthony thinks, you old rapscallion. Okay, that's a pirating term. Yeah. I love. I love how you call him that. His his response is very dom like. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you say, you old son of a bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you still believe in Santa Claus? Um well, I mean, I guess we've squeezed all the juice out of that 15 minutes that we're going to get. Damn, I I'm I'm really happy that you liked it, Anthony. I was mm-hmm. uh I was fairly certain that you were going to like it, and I think you're going to enjoy the rest of the I don't want to I I say that every time, and then there's a moment where you're like, "Nope, my Brian my my Brian, my brain checked out, you know. My Brian brain I don't, I, that's so horrible because saying that my Brian checked out in this film in particular wow. is very insensitive. And that was a total mind fart, you know, that you I don't did. Have to, you don't but, have uh, to point out every terrible thought you have. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be really fun. Uh, re revisiting this one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm just as excited to get into the ones we don't like. <laughs> To be honest, well, so there's, there's there's way more comedy for those, I think. Oh yes, yeah. So, any other thoughts, Anthony? Just uh, ready to see where it goes. Yeah, on to the next fifteen minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll see everyone next time. And uh, thanks for. Well, you know what? Get into iTunes and, and review this sucker. That's what you should really be doing. Yeah, feel free to review the show. Um, I'm kind of like in the last year, I've bowed out of social media quite a bit. So like I'm not really super participating like I used to. But you can find me uh, at Vito Lapicola on uh, Facebook and uh, the last Shogun with underscores, the underscore last underscore Shogun on Instagram. That's about all I do anymore. And it's passing at best. But if you want to befriend me, please feel free. Yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at this game cheats and that's it. Don't follow me on anything else. Yeah. Mine's actually into battle. What's that? I said, <laughs> especially into battle. That's with right. An attitude like that. I'm not following you to battle, Anthony. That works. I'm fine with that, but do follow us into next week where we'll continue our in-depth discussion on furious seven. Oh, my voice is all over the place. It's all right. It's been a year and a half, guys. We can. Uh, I know. Yeah. I hope people are still subscribed to us. 
They are. Well, very, either very we'll, few people unsubscribe after they've subscribed because I go through my podcast app all the time and I'm like, when the fuck did I subscribe to this show? And I still <laughs> keep it. So, you know. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye, Bye guys. Take care. <laughs>